For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, Bill Spadier here. Welcome back to my podcast. We've got a lot of important conversations that we've been having over the past couple of weeks and months about the COVID crisis, which was largely uh, induced by government and mismanagement from big corporations, etc. Well, the positive side is there are some brave attorneys that are fighting back. Uh, on the other side, there's some sad news. Some people have sadly passed away uh, in the course of the last few weeks since we've had a conversation with our guest today. His name is John Coyle, and he is an attorney. And I, if you remember a few weeks back, I brought him on the radio show and it was the day that uh, his client had passed away after her primary care physician had um, had prescribed ivermectin. The hospital in New Jersey said, no, they weren't going to treat her that way. And we've seen the whole conversation of ivermectin go from miracle drug to horse pill in literally the span of just a few weeks. So let's uh, let's bring John in and, and first talk about that 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 first unfortunate case where your your client's mom, I believe, right? Your client was the daughter of the uh, the woman who passed away. Um, she passed away while you were in court fighting for her right and her medical freedom. Tell me what happened. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Uh, I actually reached out to my client and she believes that she wants her mother's case to be an example out there. So she's authorized me to use her name. The okay. woman who passed away was Nancy King, and her daughter was named Jennifer King. She, uh, the daughter was a pharmacist, a licensed pharmacist. This is not somebody living in a field who's looking at uh, looking up for fake science. She's a pharmacist. And Nancy King uh, was admitted to Valley Hospital. And as you said, exactly that. Uh, the daughter fought for two weeks while her mother was intubated uh, for the right simply to have a say as to what her mother's treatment is. And you're correct. Valley fought. It's almost ridiculous to say to the death, but they did. They fought so hard and so long for the idea to not have to listen to this patient's care. What happened with the patient's primary care physician? Uh, was this uh, was ivermectin prescribed as a preventative measure or was it something that the doc just thought uh, something that should be tried? No, it was something that should be tried. He prescribed it for COVID, for once Mrs. King was admitted to the hospital with COVID. She, she had been diagnosed with COVID. She was treating at home, then she was admitted. And then a few days later, she was intubated. And in that stretch of time, when she was admitted to the hospital, her primary doctor uh, wanted to give her, a, uh, give her on the ivermectin treatments. It's not, we talk about an ivermectin, but it's really ivermectin in com combination with a bunch of other drugs at times, whether it's steroids or other antibiotics. But the doctor wanted her to be put on the ivermectin treatment plan um, that is championed by, among others, frontline critical care doctors. Uh, frontline doctors, uh, certainly there are literally thousands of doctors that have weighed in on this. And we've heard of uh, hundreds and thousands of cases where people have been successfully treated, not the least of which just recently Joe Rogan talking about 
ivermectin as a part of the, the protocol and regimen that he took and beat COVID in five minutes. Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but essentially, um, you know, and many people, uh, myself included, have been prescribed it as a preventative measure, just in case if you're traveling to some of these areas where, where people are more prone to exposure, et cetera. So I, uh, here's the question I have, not to, look, I don't know. I, I, I only know from the experts I talked to and many, many, many doctors have weighed in on the, the positives of ivermectin. Um, you've seen the conversation change dramatically over the past month where ivermectin literally, if you look at India and Japan, they're talking about uh, prescribing it, saving lives. There are plenty of studies out there that show how effective it is. It was literally at one point, uh, essentially not, not called a miracle drug, but but almost a, a, a miracle of science, how effective it is. Uh, but the FDA said it's not approved to treat COVID. And within a few weeks, all of a sudden, we started seeing social media smearing anybody that talked about ivermectin, uh, saying that it's a, it's a horse treatment. You're not a horse. Don't take it. How does this impact your case? And um, you know, take me back to the moment you were in court and got that call. But, but generally speaking, how does it impact your case and, and going forward? Well, I, I, I think you, you mentioned a whole lot of points. This has become politicized and spun, right? I, I will tell you that since our radio call, I had another one of these cases that uh, was filed in court and before the hearing, the hospital uh, gave in. I could either put it positively and they said that they acknowledged the, the reality of the situation and gave this woman uh, her right to choose what happens. Uh, they did. They also waited till it was three weeks later. And then when we finally filed the proceedings in court, uh, the hospital said, okay, we'll finally let, listen to the family's choices to what they want to do for treatment. And I'm not a doctor. Right. Neither of us are doctors, Bill, and we right. listen to people in that case. And these are all publicly filed cases. So I can give you the docket number for this. This is a case that the docket number is ESXC14721. And in that case, we presented a board certified uh, internal medicine and board certified infectious disease doctor. And this doctor said, this is not John Coyle and Bill Spadia talking about the medicine. This doctor said, I have treated over 520 patients for COVID with ivermectin. Okay. I need you to have this, this. We're not talking about some horse pill. We're talking about, I've treated over 520 patients. And this doctor said, he's certified under oath. Ivermectin has been FDA approved for decades there have, and he talks about this, there have literally been millions of people who have been successfully treated and safely treated with ivermectin in the decades since then. Now, th that is, we're not talking about Joe Rogan and these things, these isolated instances. This has been given to millions of people safely. So the, the argument I, I would imagine what they have pushed back on is saying, but it's not specifically approved for COVID. And how does the doctor handle that? Because obviously, if you're treating 520 patients that are that are testing positive for COVID and they recover fully after a regimen of ivermectin, it would stand to reason that the ivermectin was successful in helping them heal. So how does the doctor handle that criticism? Well, that's right. I will tell you that I've received, uh, I looked at studies to find this out. And from my understanding, over 20% of the medicine that's prescribed in the United States is off-label. And off-label means it's prescribed for something other than what the FDA says it's approved for treating, 
right? The list is almost everything that there is under the sun, whether it's length of medicine, dosage of medicine, or the appropriateness of this, right? Like there's 20% of the medicine in this country is prescribed off-label. So if, if this is this is no different, right? The FDA, we live in a country where doctors are given the right to choose the medicine for their patients. And this is not something where uh, we're talking about a drug that has never been FDA approved. I think if you're talking about something that's never been FDA approved, you have one set of circumstances we're talking about, right? That is, I have to tell you, John, that is a, a fact that has been missing from every major news outlet. I have never heard that until you brought it up that 20% of the medicines are, are given as off-label. As for the average person who's not a doctor, let me try to understand it. That means a doctor has a, a shelf full of medicine and decides which one, regardless of whether the label says it treats that ailment, the doctor decides, hey, let me try this with you because it might work. And then it works, even though it's not listed. Absolutely. So the FDA approval is not the key, not the key to that. It's doctor-patient relationship that matters. Well, it's a two parts. It's FDA approval. This drug has been approved by the FDA. The drug is approved. So right. it's able to be given, and then the doctor determines how and where to give it. The FDA guidelines as to what it's approved for treating for is not a restriction that says this is the only thing you can give this medicine for. This is not a contested point. You are, you are correct that that is not to be found in any of these articles, and that's intentional, right? There's, this is no different from the, the, the if it's 20%, if that actually turns out to be the number, then 20% of the prescriptions that are filled at your local pharmacy are for something other than what the FDA said it's for. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. Well, uh, you would add, that number may actually be higher with all the doctors that have prescribed ivermectin, um, which is apparently something that's anti-parasitic, whatever it's specifically labeled for, but docs are prescribing. Okay, so let's get back to patient choice and, and what John Coyle is doing as a New Jersey attorney fighting for these New Jersey patients. Um, you, uh, you said that, that Jennifer King, who is a licensed pharmacist, wants her mom's case to be an example. What is the next step? What happens? How can these hospitals and the administrators be held accountable for what in some cases has turned out to be deadly delays and deadly decision-making? Uh, I'm working on that answer right now. Uh, I, I will tell you that within an hour of this, this, uh, this podcast, just before we started this, I got a phone call from somebody else who unfortunately ex uh, had this exact same thing happen. Uh, their father passed away last night uh, from COVID where he fought uh, to have the hospital administer the, the medicine, the, including the ivermectin and other drugs as part of the protocol or treatment regimen. Uh, and they said no. And uh, he contacted me. This is the first question was, are you the guy, are you the John Coyle from the Bill Spadia show? Yeah. And I said, yes. And uh, I said, you know, at the end of it, I said, I wish I talked to you last week. Um, but we are looking at options. There are, there are been limitations placed by law on the ability to sue hospitals and doctors in this state and across the country for their COVID treatment. Uh, I don't think this is a question of COVID treatment, right? We're not saying that uh, the law was put in place in an emergency rush during the early days of COVID when, when doctors were like, I, I, there hasn't been a specific how to take care of people for COVID. I want to make sure that I'm not liable for trying to treat these patients. And the law stepped in and said, that's fine. You want to treat them, you can go for this. Um, but how does it cover non-treatment, right? Yeah, that's, 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 I have to tell you, 
Yeah, that's the question I have. And I, I, I don't believe the law is designed to allow people to just completely disregard this. And, and, and it may not be a malpractice action. It may not be a case for this. It is going to be something we are going to do everything we can to find a way to hold these people liable. And I, I'm going to tell you that the, the sad thing is I guarantee you after this podcast airs, my phone's going to not stop ringing because mm -hmm. this is happening across the state every day all over the place. So how do you want to get the word out? I, I am a, an advocate, as you know, for uh, people's right to choose their own medical options. Uh, you, you, the idea that we've got medicine now being politicized, the idea that the FDA itself tweeted out a picture of a horse and a picture of people and said, you're not a horse, so don't take this. Uh, the, the FDA is getting away with something that I, I think is unconscionable that they are literally intervening and trying to scare people, which is uh, literally dissuading doctors from offering something that, that might help. And, and I think you said this very well earlier, it's not a miracle cure. Some pay, you know, depending on when you take it or what your condition is, what your underlying conditions are, obviously none of us know that going in and every patient is different, but uh, to, to take away the choice seems, uh, seems criminal to me. So, uh, what what do you want people to do? Because I, I will, first of all, I'm going to share this with our uh, uh, rapidly growing audience on my uh, my my new nonprofit, uh, commonsenseclub.org. And I want to I want to share this conversation. I would love to, if she's up to it at some point, uh, your client, Nancy King, and bring her in and have a conversation with her as well, uh, both on the air, on podcasts. I, I, I want to hit this as with multiple platforms, because I know you're busy. I spoke to Dana Weaver earlier, uh, and uh, her her interview dropped last week. Uh, you know, she's got more than a thousand teachers that have signed up to sue the state, and and I think it's important to do that. So, what what's the capacity limit? What can I? How can I help? And how do we direct people in the most effective way? Well, I will tell you that for anybody who's experiencing this firsthand the lack of informed choice of care. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say having fought this a couple of times, I got this streamlined and it's sad to think of this as a practice area. Uh, I'm going to fight this. If somebody is in the situation where they need, uh, they need to get to this, their loved ones in the situation, get in early and as quick as you can to an attorney. Uh, there are people, there's a, there's a great attorney in upstate New York named Ralph Larigo. I worked with him on the King case. Uh, I've handled other cases since then directly. Get somebody and get in court right away. Uh, so how do they get in touch with you? How do you want to do it? Is there a website like Dana's got a form set up? Is that the best way? Is there a, is there an email? What, what do you want me to promote to let yeah. people, people are hurting and they're, and they're nervous. And, and I will tell you, the good news is the tide is starting to turn. More people are waking up, realizing that this medical tyranny uh, cannot be allowed to stand, and they're they're fighting for their rights. But uh, how do we direct them? Yep, uh, I'll give everyone my email. It's J Coyle J C O Y L E at coillawgroup.com. C O Y L E L A W G R O U P dot com, and put in the subject matter. You know emergency ivermectin or whatever it is i'm going to get to you uh i have uh our website is coillawgroup.com they've got numbers and ways to do it i don't have an intake form uh because i i i, I don't want to wait for the the google sheets to sort these things out and put people in this 
what I will tell everyone out there is you should look at the hysterical news coverage talking about horse pills as saying something. Yeah. yeah. We're getting close and we're on something. And this isn't even a question of whether ivermectin is the right choice, right? That's a part of this that really appalls me. If you had cancer, you have a right to take an FDA non-approved drugs if you're at a certain point of your stage. I want to just get this experimental treatment. I know it hasn't been approved for anybody. I have a right to this. If you are dying of COVID in this state, hospitals are telling you you have no right to get an FDA approved drug of your choice. And, and that has to stop. And I think, as you said, the tide is turning. The tide is turning on this. And look for no deeper than the fact that everybody's gotten hysterical. And as you said, the horse memes and the pictures of all the stuff. There was a judge uh, just this week in Ohio uh, when the case brought by Ralph Larigo that ordered the ivermectin in circumstances similar to this. And he looked at the news coverage and says, Judge in Ohio approves horse medicine for patient. That's not what this is about. That is about a judge in Ohio having the courage to tell a patient and their loved ones, you have a right to choose your care. And, and that shouldn't be that shouldn't be something that is, is, is newsworthy. You shouldn't have to have a headline flashed across the country when a doctor is, a, is required to listen to what a patient wants for their treatment. Well, and it's not, they're trying to make it like, I want to take this radical idea of a pill designed to treat horses, when in reality, it's been approved by the FDA for human consumption and use for several decades, number one. And number two, there are doctors who have testified over and over and over again that they've used it to treat COVID. So it seems actually that the fight should be, why is the FDA not approved ivermectin as a COVID treatment that could potentially save someone's life. I mean, how many times do you hear the left say, if we could save one life, they'll take away your Second Amendment rights if they could save one kid. If we could save one kid. Now, it never does. It never does. You just end up losing your freedom, and no one gets saved. Same thing here. No one gets saved, but you lose your right to choose your medical care. So uh, I am going to uh, promote the website for sure. Uh, as far as the um, uh, Nancy and, and her family uh, is will there be follow-up to hold the uh, hospital accountable? I sure hope so. I, I, I'm telling you that this is, um, as you mentioned, people who are in the medical freedom field. And there's not a lot of us who are willing to stand up. And Dane is one of them, as you mentioned from last week. And there's other attorneys. We're busy. Uh, this is a time of tyranny. Uh, but I am going to do everything in my power to make sure that these people who need a voice get one and are held accountable. I, I, I was one message and it's a brief one to the people out there who are listening who are more on the left aligned. This isn't a question of politics. When, when you tell me my body, my choice, why does that not apply here? Why, why if you are a champion of the left and you believe that the government should not tell you what to do with your body, do you think it's okay that that same person has no say in what they want to have treated. And, and, and unless you've experienced it firsthand, it's just stunning. I bet most people have no idea until they hear this advert that promoted from your, of your initial show in this, that if they go to the hospital and their doctor says, I want to treat you with this, and you say, no, I'd like not to treat me with this, the hospital goes, that's okay, I don't have to listen to you. Right. And, scary. 
It's actually scary how much of our freedom has been eroded through the panic over uh, a cold virus, um, you know, that that obviously from the beginning they knew. And now we've got a year and a half of data that most people who succumb with a positive COVID test have succumbed to one of three comorbidities that 94% of the deaths have. So again, uh, we already know in many counties across the state, across the country, they're lowering their death counts uh, in one county in California by as much as 25% because uh, people weren't actually tested. And then we also know, according to the World Health Organization, uh, the, the, the PCR test not reliable at all. So we don't even know what's going on. And that's a scarier prospect that people are being treated for something that they may not actually have. And I wonder how many people who have died from comorbidities were treated as a COVID patient, uh, put on a respirator, and all of a sudden you realize too late that this was a heart issue. This was something else. And 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 how many died unnecessarily? That said, uh, as we wrap up in the last minute here, so here, uh, John, bring me back to when you got that phone call and you were in court representing this this mother's ability to 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 uh, have her primary care physician prescribe her what could have been life saving medicine. Yeah, um, it was a it was a it was a telephone hearing because we're in the age of COVID, uh, and we had Jennifer King on the phone uh, testifying. She was waiting outside her mother's hospital room, literally with a bottle of ivermectin. Okay, like I, I need you to understand. She's on the phone, waiting outside her. Uh, excuse me. Okay, waiting outside her mother's hospital room for the judge to say okay, and she jumps off the call and says, "Judge, I have to get off the call. I'm sorry." And it's because her mother was passing, right? When I say fought to the death, I mean fought to the death. While this woman is literally dying and her daughter is outside the hotel room, the doctors at Valley Hospital are saying, do you know what would happen if we had to listen to our patients, right? They're fighting for a principle. The principle is the right to kill people who don't agree with them, right? You have no right. They are going to fight to the death just so that they don't have to listen to a patient's right to choose their own treatment. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened here. And um, at the end of the day, the judge ruled that there was no proof that the ivermectin would save this woman at this moment. And the judge was right because ironically she was dead. And, but she was only dead because Valley spent three weeks fighting for their right to, against their right to choose. We, we don't know what would have happened if she had had the prescription three weeks earlier. And to your point, uh, why are judges deciding what medicines work and don't work? Why is this not a doctor-patient privilege? Why? Why? Yeah, well, listen, if, if, you, if, I, if I break my arm and I walk in the hospital and they say, I want to set a pen and I go, I'd like a cast, and they go, no, I just get up and walk away. Of course. Uh, but if I'm intubated, uh, the hospital goes, no, you can't get up and walk away. That's John, you are um, you're a courageous man, you're a patriot, and you are a voice of reason and critical thinking. And I want to thank you, and, and I appreciate that you are willing to share the emotion of that moment because uh, people have to understand this. this you know, there are uh, any number of historical examples of what happens when government is out of control and wants to force their own version of medicine on people. And I, I think that you can go back through history and look at these horrific examples. They never end well. 
They never end well. And when when corporations are complicit with a tyrannical government action and then judges go along with it, uh, we've heard horror stories of, of moms being denied uh, visitation of their own children because they have refused a vaccine. We, we've got discrimination against disabled people in this country. We, we have gone to a point now where um, it, it, government has almost gone to a point of no return. And the only thing we can do now is is fight them, beat them back, and break this system to then rebuild something that is going to actually recognize our constitutional liberty and stand up for real people. So, so yeah. thank you. You are a patriot in this fight. I stand with you, John, and uh, I am here to help. So I'm going to share your email. I'm going to post this on our uh, website, uh, my new organization, commonsenseclub.org. This will be part of my podcast series with the radio and uh, the fight continues and you're welcome back uh, here and on the show anytime. Please, uh, keep me posted. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll share this over the next couple of days. Let's touch base next week. Let me know how, uh, how you're doing and how many people are inquiring. And hopefully we're going to get more people the help they need. Bill, I, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing to publicize this for the people in this country. It is, it is shocking where we are. And, and, and I thank you. Uh, thank you, John. Good to talk to you. Be well. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.